Welcome to Keeping Up With Data. Keeping Up With Data is the podcast that keeps data enthusiasts up to speed with what is happening in the data world. We bring in the leading minds from the data industry to talk all things career, news, embarrassing stories, failures and successes. So something really important for us here at Precision Sourcing is mental health. It's something we've been focused on a lot over the last year or so. And we're lucky enough to have partnered with the Black Dog Institute. And we're going to be doing a lot of events with them this year. A lot of our events, money will be going towards them. And they're out there aiming to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. So if you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link in the bio on this podcast. And you'll be seeing a lot more information about Black Dog over the next year. Right, well, welcome once again to Keeping Up With Data with myself, Joel Robinstein, my colleague. Me, Emily Noda. And today we are joined by Ben Yee. And as always, Ben, we're going to get you to introduce yourself to everyone rather than me telling you who you are. So please, in your own words, who are you? Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the head of data science at Upflowy. That is what I do currently. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, And how would your mum introduce you? Uh, Single, available. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the market <laughs> on the market yes nice all right good well look, thanks for coming on ben we're really excited to have you on i think um of all the people that we've had on the show you've had the most diverse career history so i'm very excited to dig into that as always we'll do our best data joke emily you've said yours is the worst you've ever got yeah i'm, I'm clutching at the straws here okay good uh we'll do emily on the streets and we'll just get into all the usual stuff as well as we go so let's start with you then ben so as i said you've a really diverse background you've done everything from being a gm of pricing analytics to being a lead data scientist um to being a strategy consultant back at ibm right at the beginning so tell us about the start why data? Where did it all come from? How did it all start? Why data? So I did spend quite a few years as a management consultant, uh, three years as the, as the Boston Consulting Group. Uh, and at some point, I realized I actually can't move away from data because every time that, that happened, with, whether I move into a corporate role at Telstra or whether I move into more operational role at Murudi, I'm just missing that component. Like, mm. get me some numbers to crunch. I really want to do it. And when I left Murudi and you know, had a little bit of soul searching uh, because I was mentoring a lot of early stage startups at the time and looking at how quickly they change things and products develop. And I go, really, I want to be in. Uh, that was the beginning of this data science wave. Hmm. Machine learning as a term was starting to be really cool and really hip. I don't think deep learning was quite there yet. It was sort of slowly on the rise. And I thought, it's now and ever. So Hmm. I got back into the data game, did a lot of online courses. And and that was really the beginning of my my formal data journey. But even before that, I've been working in data analytics, pricing analytics for a long, long, long time. It's just always love working with numbers and data brilliant so what year was that switch that you kind of went right i'm going to go really far into data science uh that would have been 2006 2017 i think 2017 okay cool yeah just when data science was becoming the big thing right okay that makes sense so you mentioned their online courses that's how you started kind of getting yourself more into that world we always have this debate on the podcast around on the job training on the job experience versus courses and all the rest of it what were your best ways of learning what helped you the most absolutely a combination of those things the courses give you the foundational skills but there's nothing like the real world to really hone it in you can uh one of the things i really enjoy doing is working with young analysts young data scientists and uh, mentor them including interns that we have at uh, at upflowy it's i quite often see really good really clean code mm. but they don't always make sense in the practical, in the real world. And you can only get that from working in a data, struggling at 2 a.m. in the morning, going like, my numbers don't add up and I really don't know why. <laughs> you got you to gotta go through that before you really get the skills. And you go, there's duplicate records somewhere I got to get rid of. And there's missing columns there that I got to do something about. And then, you know, you've, after you've done that three times, you go how to handle all, any of those things. So yeah. what I've garnered from that is you need a passion for it too because I'm sitting there thinking, wow, 2 a.m. and you're thinking about your data problems that, you know. Or you, a deadline. Or a deadline, of course, yeah. <laughs> One of those two things. So would you say that it was 
all of this was driven by passion as the key thing below it all. Absolutely. I really loved I get I loved that a heart moment. We just go, yes, I found it. I found the truth in this data. Data to me, data analysis to me is about finding the truth, finding patterns that other people might not be able to see. And then you can do something with that truth. Yeah. That makes sense. And is that something that you see as well, Emily? Obviously, you, as we know, recruit in the data science space. Often the people that we see progressing through their careers are those with that similar passion or or no? It's funny you ask. I just had a call from a candidate I placed like a couple of years back and they've just had a promotion and she's like, I'm so grateful for you. I've propelled my career just because of you, because of your call. And I was like, no, 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 you're so passionate with what you do. You've literally like worked like a dog. You've got the right people around you and you obviously had the passion just like you. So yeah, definitely. So it wasn't you? No, oh, okay, <laughs> I <enough>. facilitated. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. That makes sense. All right. So you're obviously working in a relatively technical area, data science. How many of your family know what you actually do? <laughs> None. <laughs> no, no. Really? Uh, I mean, they get a sense. Dinner, really? Dinner party chat is very much like, you know, I just work with data and that's kind of the end of conversation. It depends or? on who I talk to. Some people I just say I work with computers. <laughs> okay, so you really scared it back. Yeah, I really scared it back. Uh, for the more technical ones, I was like, oh, yeah, I work in data analysis. I'm like a fortune teller. <laughs> but but I, instead of crystal ball, I look at you know, numbers and, kind of, and I can sort of see trends. I can put, sort of predict what's about to happen. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, mm. covers our explain like I'm five question mm. as well. So you've done well there. Um, let's talk about Upflowy quickly because obviously mm -hmm. it's, it's probably not going to be a name that um, many people listening will know of because it's more of a startup environment. So yeah, simple question. What what do Upflowy do? What what's what's the role there that you're doing as well? Yes, excellent question. So Upflowy, uh, I would describe that as a cross uh, between type form and optimizely. So for the people who are familiar with that, it is really the next generation of forms. Mm. We've all seen forms. They're really <laughs> boring. You put your first name, last name, phone number, email in there, and you click the submit button. But there is a lot more that you can do with that form. Mm. Um, let's start with how impersonal that is. You ask for first name, last name. Would you go... Go to go to the street and ask a stranger for first name, last name, phone number, and email. Absolutely not. Uh, Upflow allows you to build a relationship with that uh, with with that person, and maybe have a little bit of conversation with, with your phone. That's why we call it a flow rather than a form. By the yeah, way, okay. So that's a starting point. You can A B test it. What a novel concept in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you can absolutely design a flow in the slightly different ways and variations and see which one responds better with your audience and which kind of audience. That is very important. And for the CMOs out there who spend a fortune making sure the brand images and messaging is all on point, only when it comes to implementation you don't want it to look like type form mm. you know you want your brand images to spit out to speak out and upflow is fully customizable you can even load your custom font that you paid designers to do into the platform and lastly and the most important thing is is so fast because it's a no code platform you can do all of that in a matter of hours Wow. Instead of having your developer team spending three months, six months just to get one version of the flow, let alone the A-B testing uh, component. And of course, there's tons of other things because you can integrate with all the CRMs, all the calendars. You can, uh, what else can you do? You can have logic branches. So plenty of things you can do. And that's that's upflow in a nutshell. No, no, that's great. So in, um, obviously, I can have see... I sold you yet? <laughs> well, do you know yeah, what? I was going to get, get to this. I was going to meander to it through two different questions. One being, I can see obviously the benefit there for marketing teams, for sales teams, for CRM teams. Um, do you think you can fix government forms for us? <laughs> that's Please. a tall order. I absolutely would welcome that challenge. Uh, yes. I just honestly, the types of forms, the amount of forms you got to fill in, like just on a yearly or quarterly basis, whether it be for yeah, and information they already have, and they're asking you to fill again. it up again, again and again. Yeah. And again, even the minute like I'm 
going through a mortgage application and it's just so boring and stressful and the amount of things that have to be done by hand and then you've got to reprint something because the bottom right corner half the number was <laughs> not printed on it and you've oh got to resend God. it through the post and it's just very frustrating so is that an area that you guys would look to solve in the long run as well absolutely that's a so that's a problem we're solving right now not right. just a long run it's the it's what we're doing right now part of the huge frustration for uh, the end user is to find all the information especially when the company already has it mm. so why are you asking people to fill it up again 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 and that mental real estate can be utilized so much better by asking them something far more important or far more interesting to the end user. Exactly. It's mm. like when people are applying for online job portals and you upload mm. your resume and then the next click through is fill in your first name and you're like, I've just yeah. put my CV in. Yeah, pause my CV. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, very frustrating for a lot of people. Okay, so where does the, the data science team fit into, into all of that? Well, we cover a lot of different areas. Um, obviously, internally, all our company metrics are driven by data and uh, our team naturally supports that. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not the only people doing it, uh, but we certainly build a foundation so everybody can do it. But the interesting thing and the killer side are going to happen. Some of them already exist. So first of all, analytics. Yeah. When you're doing A-B testing, you have to absolutely want to know where is it working what's working, what audiences is it, is it working and resonating with. Uh, we are going to be introducing a lot of features that automate some of that. For example, uh, the easiest way to describe it is this. If you have ads on Google search engine, you can absolutely set up certain parameters and Google will optimize that for you. It will say, I'm going to find the most beneficial way for you to acquire customers if that's the goal you set up. We're going to be introducing some of these features as well in the future. Nice. To say if your if the completion is your goal we're going to help you identify the version not just a b testing uh, we can do a b c d e f g testing in the future and specifically if you're male 25 to 30 sure why not yeah. <laughs> and if we'll know we'll know this specific version works really well for that target audience uh and if it's a let's say a professional executive and then maybe a different version that speaks better to that audience. And that's sure. what we're going to be able mm. to do in the future. Brilliant. That makes sense. And would you say that data is a top-down strategy within Upflow is maybe one of the reasons you joined them, that it's like embedded in the business, they get it? Absolutely embedded in the business. Uh, I, that's The reason I joined this is the, the team is so polished. Mm. Um, I've joined businesses in the past, whether it's large or small, I've had to explain sometimes even the most basic concepts to uh, to people, which I also enjoyed. Sure. But this team, you know, the first conversation I said, oh, let's look at our acquisitions. This immediately the response is, no, 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 let's break this down by cohort. Let's look at this. I was like, oh. Holy shit, I have to bring my A, <laughs> not just my A game, it has to be the A plus game Perfect. to this team. Like I can't get away with the basic stuff. So they're challenging you, which is great. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, and good. you want a role that does that, to, to challenge Definitely. you. 100%. Mm. So I want to get into a little bit around hiring because I know that you're doing some hiring, you're building your team there and get you talking about it, Emily, as well, in the data science world. How have you been finding the current market generally? Very tough. Uh, it's a competitive market for top talent and Australia, especially because we've locked our borders for quite some time, uh, we don't have a good influx of of talents coming in. Not just in the data market, I know this is yeah, true sure. of across all job roles, but in the data market specifically, there was a huge upsurge in demand for the last few years, uh, more so than even other disciplines within the tech world. So finding good talent has been very challenging. Um, so the way that I do this is that I, I try to supplement uh, different ways. Uh, I already mentioned interns being one. Mm -hmm. So if we can find very good, uh, very eager young talent and foster them, that is one good way to develop that. Mm. And, and interns currently at university, just out of university, like, or maybe even further in life? Could be any of those. Yeah. Uh, we have a few interns who are towards the end of their tertiary education sure. and they're doing a sort of a five, six months uh, stunt with Upflowy. And 
also early stage, so extension, so maybe graduate is, is sure. a better way to describe that first few years or in the professional life. With a goal mm -hmm. to, if they work out, maybe there's a job for them at the end of it? Or? Yeah, that's, that's one possibility. That's good. Yeah. Have you seen many other people doing it that way? Yeah, yes, <laughs> but like not successfully, I don't think. I, I feel guess. like... Uh, oh, sorry, I've kicked you there. Um, uh, <laughs> you didn't do it well. No. <laughs> Joking. Um, no, I've seen a lot of people attempt at these mask hiring sort of grad programs and stuff, but ne not necessarily like including interns from all walks of life, which is what you're saying you've included, basically. I wouldn't say I include all walks of life. Um, okay. Interns that are hired <laughs> that also have to go through a, a you know basic technical test. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I yeah. mean, more like backgrounds. Like they might be oh, uh, mature students, but are an intern for data or whatever. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is true. <laughs> so uh, we are open to different backgrounds for sure. That makes sense. I found that that's the great success people have quickly. If you're looking to convert someone from being an intern or a grad, it is if you can, I don't know, say it was a project manager or a business analyst who's like, I like the look of data. I've done a course, but I don't know how to get into it. Then they can start out. But because they've got the business knowledge, they know how things work already. They pick things up a little bit quicker. Yeah, I love hiring uh, career switches, mm. Mm. especially in the data field. I find, like myself, uh, I'm a career switcher to get, yeah. to get into this field. People do that because they really love doing it. They yeah. find their way to say, I enjoy working with data analysis so much. Forget about finance or risk or actuary studies and what I've done in the past or you civil engineering. I just want to work with data. Yeah. Uh, and that passion drives them to be successful. Yeah, I had a chat with a cohort of mature students about six months ago, um, and they're all gentlemen in their 50s, just wanted to do something new. They'd gone a long way, and then we, I had a chat with each of them individually afterwards, and each of them, the advice was the same. There's one gentleman, he's been working in um, manufacturing or engineering for about 25 years in a very specific area. And he's like, well, where should I start? Where should I go? Well, you know more about that area than most people in the whole world. You've learned some basic data knowledge. Why don't you just start there? Absolutely. Mm. And in fact, uh, data analysis, analysis should never be done in vacuum. Yeah. It has to be done in the context of the problem that you're solving. Uh, otherwise, it's so dangerous just to look for the, the highest R-square number or whatever it is you're looking for and misinterpret the data. Exactly. That is a very dangerous thing. 100%. Right, let's get into one of my favorite moments always is the best data joke. I feel like we're in a flow now. We're, oh, so you've already said Emily's going first just by pointing at that. <laughs> you can go first if you want because we might be all out of laughs by the time we get to you if Emily's is amazing. You know second? I, I know she is You're, amazing. Oh, no. okay, cool. All right. Okay, well, let's see. There's not no doubt about that. It's not but my I, jokes. Okay, we'll find out. <laughs> okay, let's do this. No, okay, this let's is see how you bad news. Sure? But you say that every single no, no, time. No, 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 no. It's, it's really okay, tough. Okay, cool. All right. So what type of data has a band? I don't know. What type of data has a band? A gigabyte. Gig a bite. Oh, <laughs> terrible way. I told that you. That is the I told worst you. one we've had. You're right. <laughs> okay, moving on. Yeah, okay, now you've got such a low bar. All you've got to yeah. do is just like step over it. Yeah. Well, uh, you already know that I was a management consultant in my younger days. Yeah. Uh, and in those days, management consulting, very glamorous role. Every single night, I would go home with a beautiful model. And his name is Excel. Oh, See, that's really good. That's good because he had the storytelling. Yeah, the real this life, the, the real life. Yeah, 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 I like okay, it. Okay, so that's one Pretty for the low bar, though, for everyone. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> usually the, the guests don't win that, but I'm definitely going to give you that one. <laughs> yeah, good job. Okay, cool. All right, let's keep going with some funny stories. What's the worst stuff up you've ever had with data? I wouldn't say this is my startup stuff up. Sure. Um, one client I work with, uh, we were trying to optimize pricing for photocopiers. We spent three months extracting, analyzing their financial data. We could not figure out how many photocopiers they've sold. What? Just the simple thing? You would think that's, you would think that's a simple thing, right? To figure out how it's many like copies. It's the easiest thing. Uh, their data is so messed up we could not figure so out what, were they writing down sales on a pad or something or 
It is. They have a very funny configuration in their financial software. I think it's basically impossible to figure out how many photocopiers. Because uh, imagine in a large company, if sold a deal of twenty photocopiers, mm-hmm. it would just have the total price in the end. But it doesn't tell you how many photocopiers were sold in that deal. So we could for the longest time that. So I mean, obviously you know much more than me, but could you? Was there no way of just going? Well, we've made this many. We that have this many in the warehouse. Therefore, we must have sold that many. It wasn't even. It it got to the point. Our our recommendation is: you need to build a new ordering system so you can track your key metrics that are most important to you. So they just were making money, and they were fine with that, basically. They weren't fine with that, right. which well, is why they asked there, for consultants. Yeah, uh, but but it, it, the foundation thing is you, garbage in, garbage out. If you don't have good data, you can't come up with good analysis and definitely not the good recommendations. So our, good, our most important recommendation is clean up your data, start from scratch. Yeah, totally. That was, in fact, a meeting we had this morning in our very own business. We did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying there's no, we can't do any actual insights. There's nothing that we can do on the other end if the data going in is shit because you'll be just giving shit insights then. So, yeah, basically the same. All right, what about the worst presentation or the funniest presentation you've ever had to do with data? Or maybe the audience just didn't get it. I used to do this thing at Bright. I called this uh, Uncle Ben's story time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and because I, uh, Bright is an environment with really diverse uh, backgrounds and not everybody was uh, very familiar with some of the fancy data analysis and to make the point across I used to make up rhymes and you like Dr. Seuss for data <laughs> I want to call it Dr. Seuss okay. uh, may- maybe the Kanye for data you're Eminem for Kanye data Kanye for data Kanye okay he's a genius yeah. so genius I would say yeah. or genius genius is how he says it isn't yeah. it be careful we're both Kiwis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're, you're outnumbered. I am outnumbered, yeah. I am outnumbered. But is two Kiwis better than one English? I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> don't you dare into that topic. Um, so you're the Uncle Ben character doing rhymes with data. Do you have any up your sleeve? Ooh. I have to dig it up. I actually don't. That was oh, the one thing I didn't... That would be good to bring. So... Why did you have to do that though? Why did you have to make it into rhyme? Like, what was it that, like, you needed to use that for? Long time ago, I learned that not everybody appreciates uh, looking at data numbers the same way that I do. I absolutely would get so much joy just by looking at charts and graphs, and I spend hours and hours. Most people find that boring. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> true. So I had to, I learned how to tell stories, basically, with the data and numbers. Uh, for senior executives, there are certain ways you tell stories by bringing up the points that are important to them. Yeah. But for different audiences, you've got to engage them in different ways. So, like, if you talk to children, you absolutely have to go Dr. Seuss. Mm. Uh, if you talk to uh, households that you talk about budgets and things that they care about, talk to our politicians, you talk about how to win votes, yeah. what's, yeah, in, what's important for in the electorate. So for, for me and that particular audience, uh, imp- especially there was the sales team, you know, what is going to help you close your deals and why are we looking at these things and track them specifically? And I couldn't bring bar charts or pie charts or line graphs. It, it's not it's not that language, and therefore I had to interpret that and make it something they can understand, appreciate. Uh, that that really is, and in really in all all roles, all walks of life, you got to the best way to engage your stakeholders. You got to. St- you got to be on the same terms. Sure, that makes sense. I mean, it comes up every podcast that we do. Storytelling is the key skill that helps people propel their career to, you know, senior position within data because without storytelling, it's just numbers on the page, like you said there. Um, so you've mentioned politicians. So um, for the second time, because we did one yesterday, um, if you had an audience with Anthony Albanese now and you had a chance to show him any data in the world, what would it be? 
and why? I want to share with him the importance of art education. Okay. Mm. And uh, some people might not be aware of this, but in Australia, we have a huge underinvestment in arts and perform uh, performing arts, that. especially. Never realized no, that. No, no, I don't have kids. I have no interest in schooling systems, really, I'll be honest. So let me just give you some comparison. Uh, in Australia, in the 2022 to 23 budget, uh, not Anthony Albanese, not his budget, but from the, from the legacy government, there's $155 million invested in sports. Right. And guess how much is in arts and culture? Well, it's going to be really low. Otherwise, we were talking. How low do you want to go? Um... I can't answer because I can see it. So you, oh. can, you can give <laughs> us it. <laughs> 155, I can see 12 million. Uh, not too bad. Twenty million dollars. Okay, cool. mm. Yeah, I mean, I was being as low as I could. At, it's a fraction. A fraction. It is of, a fraction. Yeah. Um, arts education, performing arts, has been associated with improved cognitive skills, uh, mental health, and uh, a lot of famous scientists. Einstein, for example, he plays the he played a violin, and very important part of our education, part of our culture, uh, hugely underinvested. In, yeah, in Australia. Like so I would very much encourage uh, our federal government, our state government, local government, any government uh, to really take this more seriously and, and look at what we could do to encourage um, spending and enjoyment of arts and culture. I think it's a great idea. I mean, mm. the sports stuff's easy for governments to get quick ticks and wins in Australia. That's right. It's popular. Right. But the arts is obviously going to benefit everyone. I, this is going to be me testing my uh, background that I did on you. So you're a board member of the choir. Sydney Philharmonia Choir. That's right. Cool. So you're in that world as well. That's like a passion of yours. Absolutely. Uh, I started as a singer with the choirs. Uh, Back in 2014 was my first season with them. And I I love the organization so much and and joined the board of directors. Brilliant. Wow. Yeah, soprano, so, alto, like what? Yeah, what? what, what, what baritone. What? Baritone. Ah, okay, yeah. cool. Are you going to spit some bars for us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for for the you know, the, the ending music. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we can the ending jingle. Maybe <laughs> exactly. could, if we write the jingle, maybe you could sing it for us, and then you know we could use it on the podcast moving forward. Yeah, why not? Not a bad idea. <laughs> right, let's go into some more fun stuff. We're in the fun uh, section of the podcast, and we're going to find out what normal people know about data. Okay. okay? So we've got four people. Now, uh-huh. normally we do Emily on the streets, but we're currently in... Emily went home to New Zealand for eight weeks, so it was Emily in New Zealand, so Emily with her family. Yes. So many Kiwis on this for you. Um, it was, can you name two coding languages? So out of four members of Emily's family, how many do you think were able to name two coding languages? Where's your family? Wellington. I love how that's going to make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, out of family of four, yeah, I would say four two, people. two out of four. Oh, wow. If they were from Auckland, would that have changed? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's find out. Here we go. Can you name two coding languages? Computer alphabets. <laughs> um, Rose. Morse code. No. But I'll try Java and um, Python. There you go, it's Python. Cool. All right, so we had four. One refused to answer. (laughs) And one got it right. So one out of four. Yeah. Yeah. It's really difficult to engage my family. I'm not going to lie. They were like, I can't, I'm too nervous. I'm like, you're not even on this freaking screen. filmed or anything. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, I guess Morse code, I mean, we're not going to give it to them, but technically. It's a code. It's a code. But it's not two. It's a language. So, Mm. you know, I'm not going to give them the point, but, you know, you could argue that that was possibly one as well all right let's get into the future of work because it's really important we talk about it a lot you're working at a startup i believe correct if i'm wrong pretty flexible environment yes awesome how's that working for you as a person as an individual and then how's it working for you as a team it's really great um at Upflowy, we spend Tuesdays together in the office Uh, i do a bit of a blend for me about two week two days a week in the office and the other three days, I work from home, okay. generally. Perfect. And what is the reason why you've chosen two days in the office? How does that work for you? I think I absolutely love to have some interactions with uh, with my colleagues. Yeah. 
And that's something we sorely missed during the lockdowns. And it's just a good opportunity to to be back interact with people. Um, I'm sure you guys also realized how much you missed that interactions, all that gibberish, what to call it, yeah. chats is actually important <laughs> yeah. to okay. some re- to to some extent, to, to actually to a lot of extent. Um, so I missed that, and and communications the. So much is communicated through your body language, through your face-to-face interactions, and even just being able to dry, draw on whiteboards together it makes certain things a lot easier. So that's why we decided Tuesday is going to be our in-office day as much as possible. We come into the office together. And the other days, I enjoyed uh, reclaiming my commute time to yep. do other things. Mm. That makes sense. Exercise is very important to me. And... What else do I do? I, I actually do online courses. Great. Mm. So it's your learning time as well. Absolutely. Now. Yeah. So you'd feel like you don't have to fit that in around work. It can be kind of all yeah. packaged in as one. Two days seems to be the common answer we're getting. Would you say as well then? Like just generally hybrid yeah. more than just fully remote or fully in? Yeah. There's always like, uh, yeah, we, we'd love them to be in two days, but yeah. we're like, we're open and flexible. So it's like, I think, it's usually the first three months, you know, yeah, you're more expected to go and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's pretty flexy. Yeah. And I think as long as the people know why they're going in, I think the worst thing is um, when you've got someone maybe sat in Adelaide being told to go in the office, the whole team's in Sydney. <laughs> so they're spending the whole time on Zoom anyway. They're like, well, why am, why am I in this office? But if you're trying to build a team culture and, and especially for new people, if you hire a lot of interns and junior people, I'm guessing having FaceTime with them is really useful for you. Yes, but funny enough, I found that uh, some some other people that are the hardest to motivate them to come into the, uh, into the office uh, some of the younger employees who were hired during the lockdown. Mm. They started, they started yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. very used to the fact yeah. they just work from home every single day. Uh, and also a lot of them live really far out. Sure, of course. And cost reasons as well. Cost reasons, yeah. time reasons. Do you think that will stunt them in the long run? I'm not saying it necessarily will. I'm just interested to hear your thoughts. I think they will come around to realize the importance of having that human interactions. Yeah. Uh, eventually, they. Well, I'm biased because I. That's what I do, and I appreciate. Uh, I think at some point, yeah, come into the office, see people. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. Mm. Would you hire someone fully remote? I have hired many people okay. who are fully so, remote. Yeah. yeah, so you're more looking at individuals and what they need rather than a blanket. Everyone has to do exactly the same thing. Oh no, no, no! Absolutely not. That does not work. Um, <laughs> No two individuals are uh, the same, yeah. not even identical twins, and therefore you can't expect people to work exactly the same way. That's yeah, no, not it's not an optimal uh, solution at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we use the phrase, in order to treat everyone the same, you have to treat them differently because not everyone has the same needs at the end of the day. Okay, cool. So continued future work, but that's without getting too technical because I'll get lost and then Emily will get lost <laughs> after me because she knows a bit more than me. Um, what's the future of data science from a technical aspect? Because... I'll give you, firstly, my perspective, which may be completely off, is that everyone went crazy, data science, rah, 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 we need to do these amazing, really advanced AI, all of this, and then everyone went, oh, God, no, that's not what we need to do. We've gone too many steps forward. The word that everyone seems to be using at the minute is automation, which a few years ago wouldn't have excited a lot of people, but it seems to be what everyone's going, you know what, that's what we need to be focusing on. Is that what you think as well, or do you have difference of opinion? I think that's definitely one of the many trends in the data world. Uh, automation is always going to be on trend for any discipline because once you've done the same thing three times, you get really bored of it and you want to not work on that anymore. Uh, there's also going to be time pressure, cost pressure. So automation always going to be sure. on trend. But what else is happening in the data data science world specifically? Um, ML ops. Uh, and streamlining that is becoming very, very important because data scientists like me, I was not trained as a software engineer, nor was I trained as uh, a, a DevOps person. So provisioning these things and making containers, they're, they're not easy for me. Uh, MLOps bridges that gap. That's one big trend. So for smaller organizations like Upflowy, what's even better would be a no-code solution or low-code solution. 
and that's happening in the data science world or as well. So obviously we're never in isolation. And I think that will actually unlock a lot of the values for data scientists and businesses. So they no longer have to look at something uh, that is actually quite daunting. Mm. That's a great shout. And that's an area that we as recruiters have seen a lot more of. It's probably an area that we are still formulating our heads as well. So, you know, we always go, well, is it more, you know, my side of things or more your side of things when we look at these ML roles, right? Is it more of a data science ML role or more of a data engineering DevOpsy ML role, which we probably haven't had to define. I don't think there is a standard definition on mm. that role just yet. And because it crosses over so many different disciplines, uh, data science itself is already pretty challenged. You've got to have people who know statistics, yeah. know how to program, know how to, to put charts together, know the business context. That already sounds like a unicorn. Yeah. On top of that, if you want people who know how to write APIs, make them secure, uh, deploy them to servers, I'm just like, <laughs> where do you find these unicorns? Exactly, yeah. No, so we've now got a DevOps recruiter within our business, Agla, who's now up and running. She's doing really well because it's such a busy area. And mm -hmm. She is helping us define that area as well. But you're still getting requests for, I need a data scientist, but I need them to, you know, productionize these ML models with a little bit of DevOps. So you, you're still mm. hearing that a little bit, aren't you? Yeah, that's just the, yeah, day-to-day -day unicorn yeah. activity. It's always a different concoction, but always like <laughs> very difficult to find yeah. each of them. I need together. this person, but I need to shove another person into them. Yeah. So let's just, you know, try and do that. Like, do you need this and this? Yes, I need all of it. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> great, perfect. Is, is this, do you think this, maybe not the start, but the formulation of what, we were thinking would suddenly become like within the dev space, like a full stack data scientist almost, you know, like front end dev, back end dev, and then they create the full stack because they wanted all of it. Is that a role that might kind of become a thing, do you think, in the future? A full stack data scientist. Yeah, yeah I would say yes, uh, because ultimately to get value out of your models, it has to deploy somewhere. Right. Mm. If you only have a beautiful model and then you can look at all your accuracy scores, F1 scores, it doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> You're not going to get any benefit from that other than, yeah, yeah, I created a really nice model and, and it's not Excel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? I wonder if people will reconcile that in their heads and go, do you know what? It's $170,000 for this data scientist and $170,000 for that DevOps person. What if I just paid one person two fifty? And they, you know, so they feel like, because what happens is they go, oh, I want both of those people for 170. That's the problem the market has. But maybe they will be able to reconcile with that, go, well, I'm actually kind of saving money, giving this other person career progression into, you know, that other area, but I need to pay them as such. And the other development is, like I said, the tooling itself. Mm. The tools are getting easier and easier and easier. And for smaller organizations, no code really is a very attractive option. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Now, I'd be interested to see where that goes. All right, so we haven't got too long left. Um, I would like to get into some... Okay, so let's do these these fun ones towards the end. All right, here we go. Right. Would you rather... Uh oh Yeah. Would you rather <laughs> have your Google search history released to the office or have everyone else's data released, but you're the one who released it and they know that you did it? Can I plead the Fifth no, Amendment? No, 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 you can't plead the Fifth in this one. Uh, actually, helps, I, I, we would release everyone else's because we, we're we a small office. We know everyone. We think it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> so there wouldn't be much kind of repercussions as such. I I would just release mine. I don't mind. Yeah, fall on your sword. Most people say that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, lately I'm really obsessed with um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, the movie. No, no, I haven't seen it. So I, my search has always like for the last month or so, every search is fifty percent of my searches related to that movie. So check it out. What's the who's in it? What's the story like? Who's in it? Michelle Yeoh, from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. From um, and what's it about? It's a multiverse. Oh, cool. Movie. Okay. All right. Mm. It's about an Asian elderly woman doing her taxes she's gets she gets audited by the irs wow. um, and the irs agent is played by jamie lee curtis okay oh, cool yeah. everything everywhere all at once all at once okay in cinemas or out online in cinemas okay cool oh i want to go to the cinema i'm gonna yeah. do that it's quite a lot of the cinema. apparently top guns really good 
Apparently, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen. I was like, nah, it's gonna be rubbish. But like, every, like the Rotten Tomatoes score is like ninety eight percent, which is just insane. Yeah, so so everything everywhere all at once has ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. oh, so also really good. Very, back very to good. Back. My wife and I have kind of got into the mode of like we only go to the cinema if it's like we really need to see like the big like Star Wars. You're gonna go to the cinema for us. Batman, we go to the cinema mm-hmm. for these ones. We just wait now for three months. You know, streaming. Got... Well, yeah, but pay for it. Like you know, not illegally. But how nice TV is it to now, go to so... the movies yeah, though? Get the popcorn, the, the support ones, the cinemas. But I don't go and watch like. <laughs> Less actiony, yeah, more okay. story kind of movies at the cinema. I'm more of like I want to see the pew pew really big. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. All right, good answer. So you're falling sword. Do you know what I find as well? If you fall on your sword and there's anything embarrassing in there, people will be like, "Well, he he did it for us," so they'll let you get away with it a little bit. Okay, Emily, I'm going to get you to update this answer as well because it has been about six months, I reckon now. No, six don't months, ask me so the like, apocalypse. It's the apocalypse oh. question. Which I don't think I prepared you for, Ben, actually. No, no. Um, I'm going to ask you it. Okay. It's a good question, though, because it says a lot about someone. So if there was a zombie apocalypse, Uh-oh. your family's safe. Okay. All right. They're in a bunker. You're good. You can have three people with you in the zombie apocalypse. Who would you have with you and why? Uh, I want to have... Um, what's his name? Yeah, and he sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Castaway, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks would be good. Oh, like yeah. he's a bit older now, though. You'd have to help him about yeah. a bit, wouldn't you? Well, he knew. He definitely knows how to survive. Well, I mean, he's an actor. But yep. I wouldn't say he necessarily okay, knows. his character. Oh, so you want Tom Hanks from Castaway? Yes, the character. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Whatever his name was. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever his Wilson's name. Wilson's mate. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Funny how how Wilson is more famous. I know, right? Yeah. Okay, Wilson. so Tom Hanks from Castaway. I like that. He's a nice dude. Yeah. You yeah. Know? That helps. Um, interested. Who else you got? Who else I got? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris, yeah, okay. Just something good to look at or? In any of the Chris's, really. Any of the Chris's, yeah. <laughs> Who is the worst Chris? Is it Chris Pine? Yeah. 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 It's probably isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not even that bad. Heartbreaking, is he? but heartbreaking, you know. but yeah. Anyway. Okay, so you've got Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hanks, but from Castaway, and who's your third one? My third one. Ooh. I want a I want a doctor, I think. Okay. That makes sense. To yeah. A doctor. Mm. Any particular doctor you got your Smart. eye on? Oh. I'm thinking Grey's Anatomy, like New Amsterdam. Surely you can pick out. Oh, Doctor House. House, yeah. yeah House, okay. my favorite. Go, yeah, but yeah, actually, yeah. House, not again. Not Hugh Laurie, Laurie yeah, no. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, cool. Good answers. So you got Doctor, just a big dude to look at. <laughs> <laughs> Keep you fit. I'm sorry, he's a beautiful man. I'm he happy to say so that. He great. is. And um, he seems nice too. And mm. then Tom Hanks from Castaway. But yeah. From, yeah. So survivor skill, yeah. he- healing skills. And, and buff skills. Yeah. Cool. That makes sense. <laughs> no, he, he can be a trainer. You know, he, he can give you help, hip, fit yeah, and healthy. Yeah, that's true. He knows what he's mm. doing there. Yeah. Yep. Be interesting to see if he didn't have like, I don't know if he's on steroids, but you think a lot of these actors. Oh, he's got to be. The, the amount he goes up and down and up yeah. and down. Is, anyways. Um, have you got any updates on yours? I just thought about it now. Okay. This has come from two, these two people have come from pe- things I've watched. My okay. God, I can't speak. Um, The guy, I can't remember his actual name from Outlander. Have you watched Outlander? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. The Scottish bloke. The Scottish fellow. But, I feel like he's... from the show. Yeah, from the show. Cool. He's Old switched school. on. He, like, he picks up stuff real quick and he's also, like, lives he go into land. battle, lives and, on... Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and then just classic, the the US office. I just I love Dwight. Dwight from the office? <laughs> I don't know Well, why. yeah, but... Which one's Dwight? I don't Dwight? know. The one, with this, the one that, like, um, has guy. glasses and he runs around after Michael and... The, He's got the big the... farm. It's like Jim and then Dwight. They have like little. I'll, I'll Google it later. I okay. yeah. I have I haven't followed the office oh, religiously. Okay. Yeah, more for the, the banter, more for the the laughs. Because let's be honest, we're not going to so last wrong. long. Yeah, and so it would be hilarious. And then, oh, I don't even know my third one. It'd still probably be. Uh, did I say The Rock? No, I didn't. Yeah, Schmitty. Schmitty, Schmitty oh, from no, he's he'd be a wimp. Oh. I need someone strong. I'll come back to you on the third. Okay, cool. that good. <laughs> most people say The Rock, by the way. You uh, have to tell us yeah, yours. Most people have said The Rock. So I'll stick with The Rock. I think he seems like a good dude to have about. I also would go for a doctor um, because I think that's a smart move. Who would, I don't want House, though. He's too volatile. 
I think he'd just walk out into the zombies and train. What about the heart, heart surgeon from Grey's Anatomy? I feel like I need someone with a general man. day-to-day doctor. Do you know what I mean? Like, who can solve other problems. I don't know. Well, Benny. House is a great problem solver. I, I know, mean. but he's just, he's, <laughs> his mental side of things, he's very demons. and uh, That's true. You know, that's true. If, you, if you're locked in with all these, only three people. Yeah. Yeah, having to deal with right. House without Wilson, I think that's a little but bit maybe, too much. Is it Sandra <laughs> Owen? Yes. I'll take, yeah. I'll take her. That'd be good. Um, and then the final one, someone funny. I think I said Bill Burr. I don't you know did, if you guys yeah. know Bill Burr, but he'd be my comedian guy that I'd go for. Just because I think laughter is really important in the zombie apocalypse. As we all know, we've all thought about this a lot. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Two questions to go, Ben. You're on the final stretch. Do you have a hidden party trick? A hidden party trick? Uh, I... I've been learning to how to do a handstand for a long time. <laughs> oh God! Can you do how one? long for as well? <laughs> oh, for as long as the lock, the pandemic has been around, because you got to oh. find something to do when no, you're locked down. Can you, can you do one? Oh, uh, the best I ever did was about five seconds. Okay, that's more than I could do. So you know, without a wall, full lock, without a wall, yeah, full lock. Yeah. Nice. God. I haven't I haven't done one in a long time. But do you know what? That's the best party trick because you'll be like, I can do a handstand and you'll either do it and everyone will be like, wow, that's awesome. Or you'll just fall flat on your face. In life, <laughs> so, you know, happy days. <laughs> yeah, I can't go wrong with that one. Can't go wrong. Um, question we always ask, really important um, books that you might have read that have helped your career that you'd suggest to other people to read. Um, I'm going to suggest a, a different book. Um, one that I thought was very, very interesting very practical and applicable in in life and it's a book called algorithms to live by uh the, the computer science of human decisions wow okay and what did it do to kind of help you uh so algorithms so similar to what i do every single day as a data scientist and it interprets algorithms that we computer scientists and data scientists have imagined but turn them into the real life situation. So one thing, for example, in your world, how long do you go on for before you decide who's the right candidate to hire? Mm. This is called the search algorithm. That's cool. Do you Um, know what the time is? (laughs) Help us. Yeah, there is actually the right answer in there. Uh, really? which I'm not going to give away. Uh, <laughs> did you write this book? You I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I, I think it, it explains how to think uh, in the, in this world uh, when you have some data and you don't have the perfect data. Mm. Uh, it has helpful tips like, uh, well, most people are backless vacuum cleaners now, but in the days when you, when vacuum cleaners have those bags, you have to replace all the time. Where do you think is the best place to have your, to to store your bags? Next to the bed. Under the sink. You actually you have the right answer next to the bed because uh, it suggests have them near where you're most likely going to uh, to to need them, yeah. and most likely when you're in the halfway through vacuuming, uh, the bag is full, not next to the sink where you. Mm. It's quite more a lot more likely to be under the couch or under the bed wherever you have it is the closest. So it has useful, life tips, somewhat too. quirky life tips like that. That's yeah. cool. I like it. I think that'd be really helpful for yeah. people. Cool. Or how far, how long do you circle the car park for before you decide which parking spot to take? Never circle because the time spent circling, you might as well have parked and walked. See, but how when do you decide it is the right place? Because you can always go. Oh, that might be that. Might, might be just be that one that is a lot closer to the elevator. Mm. But the time spent getting closer, then you might as well just park and walk. That's what I think, anyway. I might not be right. Not every time. Not every time. I mean, it's the biggest car park in the world, and no, I'm not going to park <laughs> down at the end. But yeah. Um, all right, last one. So I said last one, but one more. Um, we always ask this at the end. Why should someone work for you? You know, if they say someone's listened to this podcast, gone. Ben's my guy. I want to get in with him. I want to work for him one day. Like, why should someone work for you? Like, what is it that you are, I guess, great at as a leader? I actually would say hiring people, uh, hiring the right people, is one of my greatest skills. Okay. Yes. Nice. I can vouch for that. Okay. The brief you gave me was like top notch. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the number one rule I live by for hiring is have the the candidate has to be smarter than me. Perfect. That's a really good way of looking at things. Yeah. 
So uh, high bar then. Very. I I don't know how high <laughs> it is, but the reason is I want to grow the team. I want to expand the team, and the only way I can do that is by bringing some people who's going to make the team better,、uh, adding skills.、Um, I am the opposite of a micromanager. I absolutely do not know and cannot micromanage. I've tried that in the past and just <laughs> gave up straight away.、Um, and then that's one. That's another reason why I have to hire very smart people. Sure. So I can delegate. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah.、Um, once they are in,、uh, I think the the role of a good manager or exec is hire the best people, give them a problem to solve, and get out of their way as quickly as you can, and Also, you have to help them unblock any roadblocks they have in in the way. That makes sense. That's the, that's a that's a role that's a role of a leader. So, if you're someone looking to join a data science team who wants autonomy to do the things that they think are going to be best for the business, you're the man to work for. And smarter than Ben, and but、smart. not as a collective. I feel like you're probably. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm not being correct here, but like an aspect, they need to be smarter at you than you at. Does that make sense? I I know what you mean.、Uh, I think everybody is smart in their own way, and there's no such thing as you know total score. If you add up the dimensions, and one is better than the other, no, you you can't do it that way.、Uh, the other thing I do is when I hire a team, I look for complementary skills, and unicorns are really really hard to come by. If I can have a whole team of unicorns, I absolutely would, but. I can also have a very highly functional team if I have complementary skills. So I might not have、um, everyone who's in full stack data scientists, but if I have a statistician coupled with a DevOps person type, and and a software engineer, between the three、that. of them, you know,、yeah. Captain Planet. Yeah, powers <laughs> combined. Yeah, you can、nice. do amazing things. Well, on that bombshell, I think we better get out of here because this room is getting extremely hot.、Um, <laughs> Not just because of me. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely it's the heat radiating off, radiating off you.、Um, next week we have got a really good podcast. We've got Marek, who is head of the Smart Data program at the ATO, coming on, which should be really cool.、Um, ben, you've been amazing.、Thank、can you, you、so、please、much. challenge him? To design better forms, use upload. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'd be a good starting point. It's a good、point. segue.、Yeah. That is. I'll be like the last podcast guest who came on said you need to sort out your forms, and guess what? He's got the solution、it's、for true, you. True, that is.、Um, but yeah, we can definitely bring that up because it's very true. But yeah, Ben, thank you again, Emily, as always, absolutely awesome.、Um, and we'll see you guys next time. Woo! Thank you very much. <laughs>